This is Encounter on VOA. Here's Carol Castiel. Welcome to Encounter on the Voice of America. On this Latin American edition of the program, what did the three amigos accomplish at the 10th North American Leaders Summit in Mexico City? Hello again. I'm Carol Castiel, U.S. President Joe Biden, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador met earlier this month in Mexico City to address challenges affecting their region, including COVID-19 pandemic recovery, fostering competitiveness, and coordinating a regional response to migration and security. According to a media brief by the U.S.-Mexico Foundation and the Americas Society and Council of the Americas, the region accounts for a third of global GDP. It goes on to say that three decades of trade partnership have deepened since the inception of NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement in 1994, and its 2017 updated successor, the USMCA, or U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, which contains higher regional rules of origin for the auto industry, a rapid response mechanism for labor disputes, and new digital trade, anti-corruption, and environmental provisions. We will ask our guests their main takeaways from the North American Leaders Summit and what must be done to sustain momentum and prevent pitfalls on migration, trade, and other key issues that bind the three giants of the hemisphere. Eric Farnsworth is Vice President of the Council of the Americas and the America Society, which is a leading voice on Western Hemisphere affairs based here in Washington. And Luz Maria de la Mora Sanchez is former Mexican Vice Minister of Foreign Trade. And both panelists join me via Microsoft Teams. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi, Carol. Thank you. Former Minister Luz Maria, let me begin with you. You have so much experience as a former government official. I'd like to get your take on the North American leaders meeting. How do you interpret the meeting's importance and the results? Thank you, Carol, for having me. I think that it was a very good result. I think it's extremely important that the three leaders in North America, President Biden, Prime Minister Trudeau, and President López Obrador get together to discuss the agenda for North America and to discuss how we can work together, the three countries, to encourage the actions that need to be taken in the areas of the economy and competitiveness, in the areas of environment and climate change, in areas of education and development of human talent, also issues like security, immigration, drug trafficking, and how to address the pandemic. So I do see this summit that took place in Mexico City on January 10th as an extremely positive sign of how the region can work together to address a common vision. And it's also important to bear in mind that this is sort of the continuation of the previous North American Leaders Summit that took place in Washington, D.C. in November 2021, where the same three leaders met and they established an agenda with issues that in this most recent summit in Mexico City, there were issues that could have some results. For example, how do we address the restructuring of supply chains? How do we address the new challenges that derive from the need to build resilient supply chains in North America? And how, for example, we work to develop the semiconductor sector, which is an essential sector for all North America. So in a nutshell, I think that we have good results. We have a lot of work to do, but I do think that this is an excellent news for North America and for the people of the three countries in the region. Thank you. And now turning to you, Eric Farnsworth, 
to add to what Luz Maria said, you were at these microphones in June of 2022 when the Summit of the Americas was held in Los Angeles. How significant do you think this recent North American Leaders Summit meeting was? And what would you say are its main takeaways? Well, thank you, Carol. It's great to be back with you. And it's also great to share this time with my good friend, Luz Maria. What a pleasure to have that opportunity. I agree with what the former minister said and would amplify it in a couple ways, if I might. I do believe that it's critically important that the three leaders of North America have regular meetings, substantive meetings to continue these dialogues. Look, these issues that are being discussed, whether it's trade and economics or border issues or fentanyl crisis or migration, these are issues that by definition we cannot address and solve on our own. We need our partners in Canada and Mexico to be able to do that effectively. And you can't have an effective agenda, in my view, unless you're willing to talk about it, even among some of the very difficult issues that we face. And there are difficult issues. These are politically sensitive issues, and they affect the domestic politics of each of the three countries. And that's sometimes what makes these conversations so difficult. But the things that I would say in terms of going forward, it's one thing to meet, and the question is implementation. And we do have to see some of the commitments that were made, whether it's on climate change or some of the trade disputes and some of the issues that are perennially difficult discussions, we have to see some progress on some of these issues. All three governments have a role to play here. Nobody is completely pure, in my view, and we have to find a way to make some political compromises if we are to continue forward progress in North America. And that's the second point. Because if we see these issues primarily from a domestic perspective or a even a bilateral perspective, in other words, U.S.-Mexico or U.S.-Canada or Canada-Mexico, we begin to lose the vision of what North America could be from a geographic perspective. And, you know, that's more than just an academic discussion, because as we look at the world, we see a very strong and growing China over the years that has really created a competitiveness globally that the United States in particular didn't face before. And, and in order to meet that challenge, it's incumbent on us to find ways to build a relationship with Canada and Mexico, frankly, for our own competitiveness and for our own well-being globally. Luz Maria mentioned supply chains. She mentioned the nearshoring, and that's absolutely right in my view. We can't compete effectively globally without recognizing that we, together in North America, have a very privileged economic position, and it's incumbent on us to take advantage of that position. Thanks for that, Eric. And back to you, Luz Maria. I want to pick up on the idea of nearshoring and get into trade issues and potential disputes. I understand that you helped to negotiate NAFTA, the precursor to the USMCA. So how would you assess the effectiveness of the USMCA? And as Eric underscored, the implementation, because again, words on paper, dialogue for dialogue's sake, isn't quite enough. We need to see progress. We need to see how that's being implemented and what are the shortcomings or disputes. Well, thank you, Carol. I think that one of the most important projects for North America has to do with NAFTA and now USMCA, trade integration. I do see trade and investment promoting a kind of relationship among the three economies, the three countries, the three societies, as a way of building stronger economies and also building a stronger region. The basis of what we're seeing today was designed and devised in the 1990s with the North America Free Trade Agreement. Today, we have the toddler, which is USMCA, the child of that NAFTA, and it's already walking by itself. And it's really encouraging to see the results that we're seeing. We see a trade that adds up to 
probably $1.6 trillion, compared to probably $300 billion in the early 1990s. It's not only a good number. It shows that trade in North America takes place in supply chains where countries produce together to consume together and to be more competitive together as a region. So what we have today with USMC is a very powerful instrument for North America to address a condition that today we are seeing as the challenge that is coming from not only the COVID-19 pandemic, but also the Russia invasion of Ukraine, which has triggered a number of challenges that we have not foreseen, especially inflation, but also shortage of supplies in the mining sector, in the food sector, and in other sectors. And also we have the tensions between the U.S. and China, where you see that the U.S. is trying to decouple from China in certain very sensitive sectors. So we have a geopolitical reality that makes USMCA even more important today. Fortunately, USMCA is there to help North America and other countries in the world to build resilient, dependable, effective and efficient supply chains. And this is important because to the extent that we can make sure that supply chains are working, then we know that we can provide certainty to investors, certainty to producers. We can make sure that we will continue to offer good paying jobs to people. And we can make sure that we can have economies that work and that can offer what the three countries, the three governments in North America want to offer, which is let's try to build better societies, inclusive societies, where we have the opportunity of improving the lives of people in North America. So USMCA and trade and supply chains are not only interesting terms, they are real issues that affect the lives of people and that affect the way we do trade, that affect the way we do investment, but also the opportunities that we can build and the resilience that the region can build vis-a-vis the rest of the world. And my last point would be that USMCA has shown that it can deliver in a number of areas. Not only Mexico and Canada are the number one and number two trading partners of the US, but we are also important partners in new areas, like for example, the digital economy in developing new standards for environmental protection, new standards for labor protection, new areas that have to do with inclusiveness of small and medium-sized companies, and many other areas that make USMCA a wholesome agreement. USMCA is much more than free trade and investment, and I see great opportunities, but we have to work with the private sector, we have to work with labor, with society, to make sure that we get the benefits that we want to get. Turning to you, Eric Farnsworth, to get your understanding of the three amigos' understanding of the importance of trade via the USMCA and other mechanisms, do you think that they would agree with how Luz Maria underscored the importance of this going forward? Because, of course, the devil's in the details. And I would like you to put this important trade agreement and relationship in this historical and geopolitical context with the war in Ukraine, messing up supply chains, as well as competition with China, and how more important than ever, perhaps, you know, it is for these three countries to consolidate and utilize this trade relationship in a positive way, nearshoring in particular, if you could comment on that. 
Well, I do think that the three leaders would agree with the strategic importance of USMCA, as uh, Luz Maria just laid it out, for our own benefit, even in a vacuum, but we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a geopolitical context with reference to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, China, etc. So the strategic importance, I think, is self-evident. But as you mentioned, it's one thing to have a strategic vision. It's another thing to implement that strategic vision. And the good news is also the bad news in USMCA. And the good news is that it covers, by design, some very complicated and sensitive issues, whether it's energy or agriculture or labor rights. These are critically important issues, particularly in the North American context, but they're also politically sensitive. And as a result, we've seen some disputes arise around these sectors and some others. And it's really important if the integrity of the agreement is to be maintained, that the three leaders and their governments are willing to pay some political cost to maintain the agreement and the effectiveness. And what that means in practice is that sometimes it's inconvenient to implement policies because of, you've said you would under, you know, a treaty arrangement. But if you don't implement some of the things you've agreed to do, then in fact, you give license to the other parties to the agreement to reciprocate. And after a while, you pull on that string a little bit and the whole sweater begins to unravel. And that's the challenge. And so there is a political cost once you agree to enter into these types of arrangements. My contention is that the strategic benefit and the economic benefit of this arrangement far outweighs some near-term political costs. And so that's something that each government has to take account of. I think we also have to acknowledge that, you know, all three governments are strong democracies and all three governments also have strong legislatures. And the United States just had midterm elections and Republicans took the House of Representatives. And so I think we can see an emphasis on some issues in the North American context that will come to the fore in a way that perhaps haven't been discussed in the same manner over the last couple of years. And I'm speaking specifically of things like the fentanyl crisis in the United States and border issues and migration. So you return to the traditional, you know, what I used to call the negative agenda instead of focusing on the positive agenda of building the relations. And frankly, you have to do both. But the temptation is to focus so much on challenges that we lose sight of the real opportunities. And so, Carol, you mentioned supply chains, Mexico should be the top recipient of relocation of investment from China specifically and other countries after the COVID crisis, after the pandemic, for a host of reasons, not the least of which is the USMCA, which is a legal framework and provides certainty to investors and to the business community. And I think there are real opportunities there, but they haven't been fully realized. And I think there's a lot of work to be done. At the same time, the United States, we have some issues that we have to work through as well. I mean, it's a temptation to want to create provisions in law to require people to buy American. That's okay in theory sometimes, but in terms of building our economies and being good neighbors, it doesn't always work that way. And at the end of the day, it's a negative outcome for U.S. consumers and the U.S. economy if we insist on going that direction. So the terms of the USMCA discourage that type of behavior, and Canada and Mexico have been very vocal about that, as indeed they should be, in my opinion. So we all have some things that we can do better. We could talk about Canada and dairy products as well. But at the end of the day, these are specific disputes. There's a process to resolve them, which is good. And if we're willing to uh, recognize the overall importance of the agreement within the geopolitical structure that faces all of us, I think we can work through what are otherwise some very difficult issues. But we have to be meaningful and intentional about our desire to do that. We'll have more in just a moment. But first, you are listening to Encounter on the Voice of America. 
I'm Carol Castiel. My guests are Eric Farnsworth, from whom you just heard. He's vice president of the Council of the Americas and the Americas Society, and Luz Maria de la Mora. She's former Mexican vice minister of foreign trade. And we are discussing the outcome of the recently concluded North American Leaders Summit held in Mexico City. This is a reminder that our Encounter podcast is available on most of your favorite podcast apps. You may also download the show at voanews.com slash encounter. You may also follow us on Twitter at Carol underscore Castiel or connect with us on Facebook. Well, here's a shout out to a loyal listener and Facebook fan from the Western Hemisphere, Misael Ponte Rodriguez from Havana, Cuba. If you want to hear your name and home country on the air, please like us and leave a comment on our Facebook page, or you may also send an old-fashioned email to encounter at voanews.com. Well, let me get back to our special guests and first to uh, Luz Maria. In the very few minutes we have left, Luz Maria, we really do need to approach or rather broach the topic of migration and immigration. Just as Eric said, we have a Republican-led House of Representatives now and the new 118th Congress. So border issues are going to be much more of a lightning rod. They've always been so. Talk about what you see as any kind of agreements or progress on this issue, particularly between Mexico and the United States. We have policies or measures coming from Biden trying to address root causes with regard to the Northern Triangle. How do you see this going forward for the region? Thank you, Carol, for the question. Without a doubt, I think it's one of the most difficult issues in the relationship between Mexico and the U.S. And I think that it's also a challenge that the world is facing. Right now, in the North America Leaders Summit, immigration was one of the key areas that was discussed. And also, it was discussed at the bilateral meeting between President López Obrador and President Biden, trying to pay attention not only to the fact that there needs to be border, but also how do we organize our borders in such a way that we respond to the needs of people. People who migrate are people who don't find the kind of lives that they want to live in their homes. So this is not a new issue. This is an issue that's been going on for many, many years. And we know that we need to find a way to address these issues. And as Eric, my dear friend, was saying at some point, we need to build a positive agenda, even when we have very challenging and very touchy issues. So I think that the fact that we were able to have this summit, that we were able to discuss, and that some issues were able to be addressed in order to give an orderly solution, I think that it's important. I'm not an expert in immigration, but I know that this is an issue that is permanent on the agenda and will continue to be addressed. However, I also want to mention something that I think we also need to keep in mind when we're talking about people, human talent, immigration. And that has to do with the fact that in North America, we are also working in how to develop the kind of workforce that North America needs over the next five, 10 years. We are seeing that today, Mexico, Canada, and the US are lacking the kind of labor that they need, the kind of human resources that they need in a number of areas, from services to industry to agriculture. This is something that we need to address in such a way that we can offer our people the kind of jobs that they need, and also that we can offer industry the kind of talent that industry needs. From this perspective, I think that we can look at the labor market from a positive perspective. And I think that in the North America Leaders Summit, one of the areas that was discussed extensively has to do with the common vision for North America and how we can accomplish initiatives 
that will promote economic cooperation, investment, reinforce competitiveness, innovation, resilience. And one of the areas that was discussed as it relates to human resources and human talent has to do with the North America Student Mobility Project, where Mexico and Canada will be participating in the 100,000 strong mobility project in the America's Innovation Fund. And I think that there is an important component there to deter illegal immigration and move those people to an ordered labor market. And then we also have these other opportunities where we are seeing the work of industry with academia in order for the two key sectors to really be able to design sessions on the skills that are needed to develop the workforce in North America. We cannot forget that one of the most important issues in the USMCA had to do with labor. We do not want to have cheap labor as the competitive advantage of Mexico in North America. We want to have an efficient, effective, talented, value-added human resource in North America. So this is a real human problem and it touches the lives of people and it makes it extremely difficult to find the right balance. And I know that it is very politically sensitive in the US, but I do think that there are ways in which we can accommodate some of the touchy issues into a more constructive and positive agenda. And that's why I think the North American Leaders Summit was so important because it really allows us to help think out of the box how we can address this issue, which of course is legitimate for the U.S. in the sense that the U.S. needs to order or wants to order its immigration market. Well, thank you, Luz Maria de la Mora. And I take your point about looking at immigration in a very positive way as human resources that need to be trained. But then I'm going to turn to Eric Farnsworth for the last word, but it is such a touchy domestic political issue here in the United States because unfortunately many see the immigration, particularly illegal immigration, as a problem and there's a lot of xenophobia. We have now a Republican-led House of Representatives, many of whom like to use the uh, immigration issue as a political football. So over to you, Eric, for the last word with regard to any progress that you saw with regard to the Leaders' Summit on how to address immigration, the illegal immigration, and do you see any prospects for the remainder of Biden's term to more comprehensively address immigration because we have a broken system and we need to fix it, but there are so many obstacles. Well, migration is a perfect example of an issue that cannot be managed by ourselves. We need our partners in Mexico and also Canada to assist in this way. I do think some progress was made for the North America Leaders Summit in this, but most of it, I think, was when President Biden traveled to El Paso in the days before for the summit and announced a new White House approach in terms of parolees or a larger number of folks to come into the United States, but also to work with the Mexican government to reduce the flows of intending migrants to the U.S. Southwest border. I think that's key. This is, as Luz Maria was saying, this is longstanding issues, much larger than one summit or one meeting, and it's going to be a continuous issue. I don't think you can quote unquote solve it. I think we have to work to manage it, but it's also a very politically sensitive issue, as we've all been talking. And the concern that I have is that sometimes people from both sides of the aisle, frankly, are looking for an issue and not a solution. And if that's the case, then we'll never find a solution because some real bipartisan, strong, legitimate efforts to try to address some of the uh, challenges of the U.S. migration system have not been able to advance because they just don't get the political level support for political reasons. But at the end of the day, the U.S. economy needs qualified, educated, motivated workforce. We're an aging society. 
and we need to have, for our own selfish reasons, an effective workforce. And so migration has to be a part of that, in my view. Traditionally, it has been in terms of the United States. We need to do a better job of integrating folks into the workforce in the U.S., as Luce Maria was mentioning. We have to do a better job regularizing folks who come across the border. We have to improve the security at the border, frankly, so that illegal narcotics like fentanyl don't come across so easily. So these are some real challenges, not to say U.S. weapons going south of the border to Mexico, which is also a real issue. I hope that as the U.S. Congress gets going, that people see the need to actually try to find some solutions in good faith to what's really a challenging border and migration scenario for the United States. And that uh, as we go through those political debates, and challenges here that the good people of Mexico and the good people of Canada will not somehow think that it's targeted against them, but rather that these are U.S. domestic politics that we have to work through, and hopefully we'll be able to find workable solutions with our friends and neighbors. A reminder to our audience that the U.S. president is limited in what he can do without immigration law changes, which, of course, is the province of the Congress. But we'll have to leave that for our next LADAM edition of Encounter. I'd like to thank my guests on this edition, Eric Farnsworth, vice president of the America Society and Council of the Americas, Luz Maria de la Mora Sanchez, former Vice Minister of Foreign Trade in the Mexican Ministry of Economy. Encounter was produced in Washington with technical assistance from Rick Pantaleo. I'm Carol Castiel. Do join me again next week for another Encounter on The Voice of America.